Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Man, I can't believe it's Friday already. This is fantastic. You know, we had a couple of workshops this week talking about soybeans, talking about wheat, and that always gets me excited because we're talking about, hey, here's what's new. Uh, here's what we're going to change to our plan for this year, and and here's what we're thinking, and, and the best way that we can hopefully turn a good profit this year on the farm. You know, I look at wheat, and Brian was talking a little bit just about uh, the terrible situation happening over in Ukraine, and man, I, I feel for those guys. It's it's brutal. And you look at the what's happened with two big wheat exporters, Ukraine and Russia, and it's really thrown everything into turmoil. But it does create some opportunity, at least for a couple of years. Who knows how long all this is going to last and what the, the impacts of it are going to be down the road. But we got a couple of years here where we should be able to make good money on wheat. If we look at our corn crop right now and look at where the prices are at, and I know inputs are high, but, man, the return on investment is still there. And it, it looks like it could be a good year for corn. And then we look at soybeans and we see what's going on worldwide there and we see where prices are at. We got a good shot here if we manage things well. So uh, we'll be talking about that a lot between now and spring about all the different things that we can do and where the best return on investments are going to be. And I think about weed control is is one that we often get a lot of questions about. And I think Brad and I were blessed the the era that we grew up in. We did a lot of bean walking when we were kids, and ultimately then having a uh, machine drive through the field where we squirted weeds one by one out in a field. We grew to hate weeds. <laughs> and we we also saw when we didn't do a good job how much it hurt our yield. It just hurt our yield terrible. And so that's that's always one thing that we look at too that yep, I understand some of the crop protection options are not free, but by the same token the return on investment is really big when you say, oh, man, we're going to spend $50 on all the crop protection things we're doing in soybeans, for example. Well, 50 bucks that's like three bushels of beans now. And you know you're going to get 20 bushel better soybeans if you do a great job controlling the weeds, maybe, maybe even a little more than that. So the return on investment is just fantastic. So we're, we'll be talking about a lot of those things. Today is Farmer Friday, and I don't want to tie up all the time here with me talking. Our phone lines are going to be open throughout the entire show at 844 844- 44 ag phd and you can also email us radio at agphd.com and that email box it used to when we first started the show almost 10 years ago now used to be that we had mostly calls and a few emails and now it's a lot of emails because of all the data in agriculture and it's really exciting all the records that we're generating every time we're crossing the field with yield uh, and and other factors it's pretty fun, and we see a lot of soil sampling going on now. That is something that is really changing in agriculture where we're seeing a lot more soil sampling. So it's happening more often. It's happening on a smaller grid or zone size out in fields. Those things are great, and they really help improve your return on investment too and help your efficiency as you're going to put your assets in places where you can make the most money. I really like that for our own farm. That's a really big deal. And I know it is for, for everybody that we're working with as well. All right. We got a bunch of questions that have come in for the Ag PhD mailbags. Let's, let's just dive right in and start there. It's the mailbag. 
All right. Uh, first one comes from Aaron. He's over in central Wisconsin. He said, hey, guys, last year was my first year farming and love watching your show. I decided to go no-till with my new operation, and my question is, what pre- and post-herbicide plan do you recommend in corn and soybeans? I have um, clay, silty, loam soils over here in central Wisconsin, and I I get confused. you got a lot of herbicide names that you go through in a hurry, and uh, obviously I'm just getting going here. So as far as the herbicide plans go, um, help me out with as much information as you can there. Hey, Aaron, uh, thanks for the questions. Really appreciate it. One thing you didn't include, though, is what your weed spectrum is. And when we look at corn and soybeans, there's a couple different things, and also what your trait package is that you're going to be using, because that's going to make a difference, too. So if you said, I'm conventional corn and conventional soybeans, it's going to be a little bit more complicated than if you said, I've got Roundup Ready crops. So I'm going to assume that you've got traded crops, but I'll talk a little bit about both. So with corn, we like to do, well, with corn and soybeans, we like to start with a pre-emerge program. So we're putting something out there likely before you plant. Uh, It sounds like you're in no-till, so uh, we're going to have to have something that can lay on the soil surface. Here's the challenge with those pre-plant or pre-emerge residual herbicides. They need some rain to wash them down into the soil. And then they need some rain to to kind of spread out a little bit and get to where all the weed seeds are starting to germinate. So uh, let's just take corn first of all. Uh, if you're in conventional corn, we like to run a full rate of a group 15, so we have really good grass control. That would be a harness, surpass, outlook, dual, zidua. Those are the five main products in group 15s, and we like to use a full rate of those. If you say, you know what, I don't have any grass control problems, I really am focused more on broadleaf weeds, then we'll have many of those group 15s in a premix that also contains some other chemistry that's going to be really good on broadleaf weeds. If it's me and I'm just getting started, I'm going to keep it simple. And I would just recommend just run with that full rate of a group 15, call that good, and then post-emerge in your crop, if you're in a corn, it sounds like you're in a corn-soybean rotation, the cheapest way to kill broadleaves is with one of the HBPDs like Callisto or one of the generics, and then mix in some atrazine if you can in your area. I would suggest not going more than a half a pound of atrazine. So that would kind of tie up your corn weed control. Start with the group 15 down, say it's harness, come back post-emerge with Callisto and a half pound atrazine. Then on the soybean side, we like the three pre strategy. So use three different modes of action pre. I would use Metribuzin along with Prowl and either Authority or Valor. Then post-emerge, depending on what you have for a trait package, if you've got Extend or if you've got Enlist, you can certainly use the Extendamax and Extend Beans or you could use the um, Enlist one in the Enlist beans, but also you have the option of Liberty in the Extend Flex and the Enlist trait. So Liberty is going to be one of your friends there too. So probably uh, do a, a pre-mix or a tank mix with your Extend or your Enlist with Liberty. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4. Location? Craver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending Tough 5 UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. 
One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, if you just want to talk about what you're working on in the farm or or uh, what's coming up this winter, if you're excited about going to different farm shows and things like that, uh, any of those discussions are sure welcome. Uh, today is all about you, and if you've got information you want to send us, you can sure email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, Let's head over to Minnesota. Got George on right now uh, with us. Uh, talk a little bit about his farm and some other stuff going on. How you doing, George? Hey, good afternoon. Love to be on. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Minnesota. You know, nice it's, and cold and sunny. It's going to get cold in Minnesota this week. And whenever it gets cold in Minnesota or in the Dakotas, I know a lot of farmers start thinking about, man, what are my options for heading south? I, I know you've got one you're you're planning on heading into. What are you what are you heading to, George? Yeah, come uh, March 9th through the 11th is Commodity Classic in nice, sunny, warm Orlando, Florida. Excellent. Uh, Orange County Convention Center is the commodity classic and it is the largest farmer-led farmer-focused uh convention in the u.s uh it's it's led by farmers for farmers uh there is four asa farmers on it and four nsga farmers uh and a, a farmer for sorghum and a farmer from wheat and then uh of course aem is also a partner in that you know, Commodity Classic has been around for quite a while. I've been to a lot of Commodity Classics for many, many years here, and one of the best venues is Orlando. It's such a great place to go. It's a great convention center, number one, for the meetings and, and the trade show and so forth. It's also a great place for all the side tours and trips. Uh, I remember uh, one time heading down there. My dad, I don't even know how early he went down. Maybe it was a cold winter, George, but he went down super early, and I think he did several of the tours, and he said these are some of the best tours that he had been to uh, amongst all the commodity classics he'd been to as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we go down early, uh, like a year in advance, and, and check out what, what tours farmers really want to see and or what they'd be interested in. And so that's kind of how we line up the tours because we're, we're farmers ourselves. So we, we have firsthand knowledge of these tours, and we we usually set the tours up that farmers would like to see. And they, they usually start Monday, Tuesday, uh, going to Wednesday, and then, of course, the trade show starts and, and kicks off the rest of the week. Yeah, these are these are great activities, and there's there's things to do for the whole family. Well, obviously it's Orlando. <laughs> there's you can bring the kids along. There's tons of stuff. Though actually, if they find out you're going to Orlando, you will have to bring the kids along. Uh, but uh, you know, you think about that, George. Uh, a lot of people do come. You get a great big crowd, and I, I know a lot of the the meetings and speakers that you bring into Commodity Classic are just top notch. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, again, it's. It's farmer focused, so we bring in speakers that, you know, if you want to increase your ROI on your farm, this is the place to go. This is the show to go to. We uh, we bring in the the the, the top notch guys from each company. They want to be at this show. They want that one on one interaction with farmers, so they should come to this show so they can, you know, so you as a farmer can ask the guy that made that design on that tractor or combine or whatever why. Why did you engineer it this way? You know, I can't change oil on it very easy. Can you change it? Or any other questions you have like that? You can you can talk to the guys that made it happen. Yeah, and you can see all the different brands of equipment right under one roof, too. So it's that's really nice if you're looking at, man, I'm thinking about changing this or that on my planter. Well, go look at the five competitors in that market. See all of them, just one right after the next. Make your comparisons. Like you say, talk to the experts uh, and make decisions. It, it's just been a great show. Uh, George, thanks for sharing a little bit about this. Again, Commodity Classic coming up March 9th through the 11th down in Orlando. There's still time to register. There's still tons of hotels around there and obviously lots and lots to do once you get down to orlando george thank you so much for being on really appreciate it good luck to you thank you much have a good day you too uh let's head down to missouri we've got tony on with us right now how's it going tony going well you darren well it's going pretty good you know we've got a lot of snow up here i wish we could share that with you tony i i guess we will share eventually when it starts melting and coming down the river yeah, we had about four inches uh, two days ago. They said maybe up to 10 inches. It, it hit to the south of us a little bit, but it was plenty. How how do you adjust, I, I guess, with livestock, with, with cattle and so forth, uh, how is it different in Missouri? Now, I know up here in South Dakota, we, we just figure, okay, we aren't going to be out on corn stalks very far into the to winter because we're going to get a bunch of snow. We aren't going to be on pasture, so we know we've got to bring them in to feed them. Uh, what happens down in Missouri? Uh, need some windbreaks, some, some cover for them, some bedding, uh, usually unroll hay after it snows to give them a place, dry place to lay down, um, feed them the best hay when the weather is the worst back around Christmas time. It was pretty bad. Uh, usually get that a lot more often than we do, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, we do. We do. But it gets it, bad it, no matter where you're at. I mean, it's all relative. Oh. It, when it's 20 degrees colder than it should be, that kind of thing, and the wind's blowing, it's it's not a good environment to be in. 
Yeah, it was a little ornery around Christmas, uh, 10 below and 30, 40 below wind chill. So that, I mean, that's common to use, but not here. No, no, that's I've, for sure. I've been that for 30 years here. So I got a question for you. Uh, it, I've got a research lead that, that does a lot of our plot work up here, plants the Ag PhD field day site. His folks are about 80 years old, have no desire to give up the cattle ever. Uh, I mean, is there ever a day that as a cattle farmer you say, yeah, it's probably time I should hang it up, or, or are you always going to have cattle around? I hope to always have cattle. I'm fourth generation. My grandson's the sixth. Uh, 1891 this place was bought I don't ever want I don't want to be the last I don't want it to end I want it to keep going uh, so somehow somewhere and prices are not good now inputs are horrible but I'm holding on that this year next year cattle is gonna you know lowest numbers in recorded history of cattle numbers and hay is about gone everywhere so i'm holding on for better days yeah yeah well i i we you've been around this long enough too tony to know it's coming it's coming it's just you hope it's hope coming. it gets here sooner <laughs> so tell it, us about coming you know I, I i hope we don't have another last year i called you and brian in may about spreading manure when's the best time when you know, we've had, we was up to 29 inches of moisture wow. by May. Wow. And, and, and Brian was, you know, what, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I shouldn't have yep. uh, bragged on that because it quit right after that. We had nothing in June, July, a hundred plus degrees every day. And hay pasture was horrible. Nothing. It just stopped. Yeah, so you couldn't ask for a worse time. To me, it was worse than 2012 here, right here. We were we were drier as well here, and you know I know that's one thing too about hay. So we grew up with a cow calf operation, also a fair to finish hog operation. And I remember when we'd go to to see some of our relatives, they lived a little further north and west, and and it was generally drier there. And they would have hay piles from I don't know two or three years ago, still there. And I would ask my dad, I'm like, why why haven't they used that hay up? And he goes, Oh, they will. Just just oh, wait for the drought year. It'll get all used up again. And I know there's just so much planning that goes into that when you're caring for livestock like that, because it, it isn't like, well, we just harvest and then we sell it and it's gone. Uh, cattle is something that, that you've always got on hand. Yes, I used to sell a lot of hay. Now I can't make enough. And land is just, you know, it's disappearing to housing and other items. You know, we're, I'm 50 miles from St. Louis, so that's it's just going to keep getting worse. So I hope I never see it before I go. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations to you getting your grandson back involved. That would be awesome. And uh, I know you probably will never retire, but uh, to, to be able to turn over a lot of it to, to him and his family someday is going to be pretty fun too. Hey, Tony, thanks you for bet. being on. We really appreciate it. Hope the, the weather moderates for you guys this year. Thank you, Darren. You bet. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Commodity Classic has everything you need to take your farming operation to the next level. Nationally known thought leaders, a huge trade show with the latest ag innovations, outstanding education that will help you prepare for the next generation of farming, and networking with thousands of farmers from across the nation and beyond. Join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio and it is a Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to the East Coast here. We got Ben with us now in Virginia. Ben, how's it going? It's good, Darren. How are you? Good, good. What you working on? Well, actually right now I'm... uh prepping a hood on a tractor to get painted there you go so some good shop work on <laughs> well i was thinking about this I, as i asked that question what are you working on i thought man that is almost the safest question you can ask any farmer because it seems like we're constantly working on some project yeah it might be a fix-up project it might be planning it might be uh, out digging in the dirt you just never know what it's going to be that's right and that's what winter's for it's good project time 
All right, talk about the planning going into next year. What what are you looking into, doing some more research on, thinking about trying this year? Well, um, I'm, I'm actually sort of getting my fertility dialed in a little bit around here, but uh, I heard y'all's uh, biological and naturals workshop on the on the radio show a couple awesome. weeks ago. Awesome. And uh, I'm running infro fertilizer, and I'm running two by two, and I'm just wondering if if the fertilizer I'm running would kill whatever biological I put in with it. Okay. What what is your fertilizer mix? It's um it's a watered down eleven thirty seven O and a little bit of zinc in with it. Well, the zinc can. There's no doubt about that. The The form of zinc makes a big difference. Uh, do you know what kind okay. of zinc it is? I haven't a clue. I'll have to ask my co-op about that. Yeah, that would be something. I, I know zinc sulfates are generally a little bit safer than zinc citrates or ammoniated zincs. Uh, those are just death on microbes. So if you're okay. doing if you're doing the fertility, say in a two by two, and putting the the natural or or microbiology stuff in furrow, that's how I would split it up. That way, you don't have to worry about that. If you can do both uh, at the same time, right? Okay. Well, um, I guess here's a question for you. Uh, do y'all have any, or do you know of any biological products that you can sprinkle on the seed, like talc? Yes. Just straight in the box yes the best one that we okay. found is a product called NutraShield. it's got uh, beneficial microbes in it it's got the the heat shield product that we talk about a lot uh and then it's got um another product in there uh called NutraCycle that has uh has 26 i think strains of different bacteria that are nutrient solubilizers and then that's all mixed with talc Okay, and I could do that both corn and beans, correct? Yes. Yep, it's not crop-specific. Okay. okay, all right. Well, that sounds good. I'll have to give that a shot then because I'm not really willing to give up on my, my fertilizer. No, bag. no, I, I totally get that. You, you need to get the fertilizer out there too, and uh, it, it is kind of the fun thing on these microbes. We were talking a lot about the, the nitrogen-producing um, microbes and in our research last year, every one of them that we tried did work to varying degrees. They just aren't producing as much nitrogen as we thought. A lot of times it was 10 to 20 pounds that we could produce with microbes, not 30 or 40 pounds, but 10 or 20. And right. so, yeah, I think that's a help, but I definitely don't think you're going to not put fertilizer on there. Right. Okay. And uh, one more question if I've got time. Sure, sure. Um, decomp. I've seen the commercials for decomp before, and I've always seen it being sprayed in the fall. Usually, I can't get out there soon enough. I mean, I'm I'm wrapping up corn harvest in December sometimes. Usually, um, can I spray decomp on corn stalks in the spring? You can. The if you're just are you just looking for residue? decomposition is that the big thing or i guess the the thing that we've seen with decomp we've actually put some in furrow and we've had some decent gains on that too it has some of those nitrogen producing bacteria that are in there so in some of our okay. nitrogen studies last year that was actually one of the better return on investment products that we had and you're right it, it's got 
a variety of different uses because it does a pretty decent job breaking down residue. And so that's, I would say that's probably where it gets used more than any place, but you, you can do it. It just takes a little time. And I know okay. the, the first year we did trial work on this, uh, we actually did, we had some plots uh, just a half mile away from the Ag PhD field day side, site. And I was out walking soybean plots and I'm, uh, it was a point where they're at full canopy. And so I was kind of pushing the canopy apart so I could look up and down the plant at, at how pods were developing and that kind of thing. And I noticed all kinds of white residue on the ground. And I said, uh-oh, something's going on here. I've stumbled into a trial of some sort. And I talked to a couple of our guys and they're like, that's right where we put that decomp on. We, we were putting that out at planting time, but we didn't notice anything. And I said, well, go back to the field now because it's really working now. And, and it was starting to break down residue. The thing I've noticed about that product and a lot of these residue decomposition products is they do a good job at killing or at breaking down the inside of the corn stalk, all that, um, I don't know, almost insulation like stuff. And then the outer right. shell of that corn stalk is, is just hard lignin. And I really haven't seen anything that does a great job breaking that down. So it kind of hollows out stalks, but boy, they, they really, uh, shatter as soon as you run through with a coulter or anything with your planter or whatnot the next spring usually. So it, it definitely makes a difference but it doesn't make that outside shell of the stock disappear. So just to set your expectations right. Right. Okay. And can I put that in with a with a burn down? It's usually you sure can. glyphosate plus uh, 2,4-D. Yeah. Yeah, you sure could. You sure okay. could throw it out at that time. And, you know, you guys get more heat than we do, so you got a lot better shot of, of getting decent results in the spring. Like, like I was saying, man, it was uh, late July, and I was seeing a, a big difference, but not like I was going to see a difference in May or early June here because we just aren't warm enough. But you might have a shot. Right. Okay. So I can't expect it to help out planter performance, like you were saying, just cutting through residue. Yeah. You no. know that early, but as far as later on in the summer. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, that's all that I've got for you today. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ben. Good talking to you, and and good luck on your paint job on that tractor. Yes, sir. I need it. <laughs> all right. We'll see you. Let's head over to Illinois. Here we got Doug on with us right now. How you doing, Doug? I'm good today. How are you, Dad? Pretty good, pretty good. I I was interviewing a young farmer. He, he's nineteen years old, still in tech school, but man, he's he's already uh, just all in on farming. And and I I said, what what do you hope to to learn going to school? And he's like, man, I want to be better at markets. I want to be able to figure these things out. And I said, son, if you figure that one out, <laughs> you you let me know because it's tough to predict sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Forget farming. Have I got a job for him? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's that's one of the most dynamic things. If you can figure out the marketing or even how to read signals, uh, uh, you can make a great success at farming. <laughs> All right, with your work you've done at the U uh, with the U.S. Soybean Export Council. I mean, obviously, we've been through some crazy years here uh, since 2020. Uh, what do you see now? Are, are things kind of getting back to normal or, or we still got some crazy going on? Well, there, there's a little bit of crazy, but things are beginning to calm down a lot. I think we're seeing a lot of the countries around the world that have had uh, worse economic conditions than what we have here in the United States as far as recessions uh, and that sort of thing. 
I, I think they're beginning to kind of level off and getting some of those things under control a little bit more than they did for maybe the last half of 22. And so I think it's it's looking pretty positive for, for what some of our particular, our, our alternative soybean markets um, um, outside of China and, and to some degree, including China. But I think it's looking a lot more, we're a lot more optimistic about uh, what a lot of the different countries that we sell to around the world uh, are going to be able to purchase this year and what their purchase levels look like currently. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I like I like when things get a little bit more predictable, a little bit more stable. And uh, so I'm I'm farming up here in the Great White North this year. We got more snow than we've had in 20 years, and a lot of guys are thinking, you know, some of these flex acres that I've got might end up going soybeans because I don't know if I'll get in super early for corn. I mean, a lot of things can change. We could warm up really early in March, and and there's no planting time uh, issues whatsoever. But I think we might see a, a swing in the north anyway with acres going over to soybeans. Uh, hey, Doug, we're up against a commercial break. If you've got time, hang on through the break. We'd love to talk to you a little more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trifold, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head back over to Illinois. We were talking to Doug just before the break and it uh, sounds like that soybean market could be interesting this year. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of our alternative markets are beginning to use increased amount of U.S. soybeans. Um and I, I think it's really looking a pretty bright future for soybeans. Now, as far as whether the price is going to, to go a lot higher, I don't know. But if we can maintain prices, you know, kind of in the area where we're at right now and uh, kind of keep our inputs under control, uh, I think we're going to I think farmers could be looking at a, at a very good year this year. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, up in our geography, up in the the Dakotas, there's more crushing capacity coming online. What do you see nationwide? Do you see the U.S. using up more of our own beans? I know our yields keep going up, so it seems like we've always got a lot that we need to to export as well. Um, I think, I yes, I think so. I think um, when you look at trend line yields over the last ten to fifteen years, and then you look at the time frame that a lot of this new crush capacity is going to come online. I, I, maybe our trend line yields are going to to keep be commensurate with being able to maintain uh, our exports of whole beans and and expand those some to the countries that are that are also building crush capacity like Algeria and uh, Egypt and some of the countries that are adding new crush capacity to their particular economies. So I'm I am thinking that you know the American farmer is pretty resilient. Uh, you dangle dangle a dollar in front of us, and and we'll figure out a way to make it work so we can get what you want. Absolutely, yes. And if we need more soybeans, we'll figure out how to raise them. We're pretty we're pretty good at that. And you know, I, I look this year there there are a lot of good things. You mentioned that the input costs are up, and and we expect them to stay up as long as we've got good commodity prices here too. But um, man, there's still just this great opportunity this year to to do uh, fantastic on the farm. Well, I think so. And, and after the 22 year, looking at some of where some of the input costs are now, I don't know what your part of the country is like, Darren, but um, here in the Midwest, in the lower Midwest, we've we've kind of seen a retrenchment in our fertilizer prices. They're they're down about 25 percent off where we were at last year, and uh, a lot of the other crop inputs, as far as the pesticides, are are down a few percent. So so at least we're seeing some some relief uh, to some of the high input prices that we we've encountered the last year or two yeah that's awesome that's good news hey one question that came up this week we had a, a soybean workshop and we had several folks asking us about uh, what are we seeing about protein levels what are we seeing about some of the quality characteristics in soybeans as opposed to other places around the world is there going to be a drive to have some incentive for farmers to try to raise the best quality they can Yes, and that that's something uh, from from the Soybean Export Commission and from the United Soybean Board. Both we have been uh, trying to communicate better with the seed production companies that they're needing to take a look at not only yield, but they're needing to take a look at what the oil and protein content are in these beans. Historically, the South American beans have had a higher crude protein, 
than U.S. beans. And a lot of that is a factor of environment. In tropical climates and warmer climates, you normally will, will generate more crude protein. One of the things we've also um, been communicating through USEC to our international customers is to take a look at the amino acids and what not only crude protein, but take a look at what your total digestible energy is in either the whole beans or the soybean meal that you're creating out of them look like. And we're finding out that rations with U.S. beans, because we have a higher level of the amino acids, are actually better as far as digestible energy than the higher crude protein beans are. But we're still trying to look at agronomic characteristics in in the U.S. growing system that we might, you know, different things we might be able to do to increase our increase our protein, and and also in our breeding programs from the different suppliers of seeds around the country, to to find out what we can do, what they can do to to improve that that protein level in beans and and improve the oil the oil and the protein both. But the demand for oil is coming up the way it's looking like it's going to. Well, we sure appreciate having leaders like you, Doug, that are out there working for us, helping us to to make more money quietly behind the scenes in an often thankless job. Uh, I guess I, for one, just wanted to say thank you. We really do appreciate it. And thanks for sharing a little bit about that with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Darren. It's always good to talk to you. And and yeah, I enjoy it. There, there's no better group to work with than American farmers. And I, I have to say, I've, I've loved uh, all the time that I've got to spend on the USEC board, it's uh, the relationships and the knowledge that I've learned from around the world is, has, uh, has, has far out compensated me for the time that I've donated, uh, you know, for the job. So it's great getting to meet our customers around the world, plus getting to meet a lot of American farmers. Awesome. Well, thanks, Doug. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Head down to West Virginia. We've got Mike on with us right now. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. How are you guys? You know, we're we're doing very well over here too. We got got some moisture out there. It's in the form of white snow, <laughs> but eventually that'll convert over to to liquid and and things will be good here. Hopefully, we'll break that drought this year. Been in a tough drought for a couple of years. How are things over there? Uh, it's it's remained pretty pretty damp. We haven't had really much winter. Uh, we the ground has only been covered once or twice and only for part of a day so we haven't had too much winter other than right at christmas time we had a cold snap but sounds like next week we may get some and although i don't want to have to push snow off a driveway it would be nice to have one covering yeah yeah Uh, moisture rise we're good shape though uh, what kind of cover crops have you got out there this year? Do they look good, and and do you have things that stay fairly green through the the winter season, or or do things just kind of go dormant for a while and start up again in the spring? Well, a little bit, a little bit of dormant. Uh, we didn't get a lot of uh, cover crops seeded until probably the end of October, first of November. So. The, the fall growth was, if you look over some of my corn corn stalks, it, you wouldn't think there was a cover crop there. There is. You get down and look, and it, it's all fine. But uh, they, there's not a lot of growth now here at the end of February, 1st of March. You know, things will begin to perk up. And it'll. It, I, I have a decent stand. I'm pleased with it. But as I say, to drive down the road, you probably wouldn't know some of those fields have a cover crop on them. 
Yeah, it's different year to year. I know we didn't get as much growth on our covers this year as we had the year before, and and some of that was planting dates, some of it was moisture related, and yeah, you just you, you don't know what you're going to get, but but it's out there, and and hopefully it's doing its job too. Uh, looking yeah. back at 2022, what kind of lessons did you learn? Is there anything big that you picked up this year? You said, man, I got to change that going forward. Well, uh, I'm always kind of looking to how you can fine tune and so on. But one thing, uh, getting kind of back on the cover crop thing that I've played with this quite a few years that worked for me in 22, and I'm certainly going to try it again. I can't say it's definite until we got more than one year, but I've always had some issues with some of the cereal grains when I'm planting corn into that cover crop that uh, lots of times it doesn't get terminated until it's fairly mature and that eats a lot of nitrogen. I mean, you've just got to throw a lot of nitrogen to to counteract that carbon nitrogen ratio of cereal rye or wheat or anything that gets sure. too mature. If it gets to heading, uh, you're kind of behind the eight ball. So what I did last year on my ground, I was planting the corn. I uh, sprayed relatively early, right about boot stage or so on, on the cereals with clethodin, which killed only the grass. And it's slow to kill, but it does kill it. And uh, my clovers and vetch and peas and so on continued to grow. And I planted green into that and uh, then terminated the the, uh, the legumes or anything else that was left. And it worked pretty good last year. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, anxious to try that again, see where I can get that to work again for me. Yeah, that kind of makes some sense, too. You've got those crops would actually help probably break down that cereal rye a little bit in addition. So uh, interesting. There's just, well, and that's the thing about this. There's there's a lot of stuff to learn if you just pay attention and if you're willing to try a few different things. Uh, Mike, thanks for sharing that with us. Hopefully you get a little bit of winter, but not too much coming up. Yeah, that's, that's my, uh, that's the, the order that I put in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you today, Mike. We'll see you later. Uh, it's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car. Steer with ease. And... It can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. 
The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Think ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeerEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Deficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can email us, radio at agphd.com. But it almost seems, well, it almost doesn't seem like a Farmer Friday unless we get to talk to our friend Tony Wendler down in Iowa. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing excellent, Darren. It's a, it's a good day. Well, so how are things in Phoenix, South Dakota? <laughs> well, it's still above zero here, but not for long. It's going to get really cold yeah. here. Hey, how does that change things? And I ask you a lot of times about what's going on in grain bins, and, and especially when we get weather changes like this. I, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they said things were sweating where they were at. And I'm like, well, that's not a good thing. And when when things get really cold out there, I, I would say a lot of people think, well, I don't have anything to worry about. It's just getting cold. But does cold create any challenges for us? Uh, you know, you have – all kinds of activity going on in that bin to do with moisture migration. Uh, one of the things that are going to occur for us here in the next couple of weeks, um, the, uh, and it especially occurs on the northwest skin of the bin. We've got uh, the cold really chilling that steel down. Moisture is going to move towards and actually stick to that skin with frost. And if people don't uh, ventilate those bins, between now and uh, later in the spring, uh, they'll get a rotten, uh, rotten grain right along that uh, northwest skin. And it's right on the metal. And that's coming from moisture migrating to the, to the metal, condensing on it, and, and actually making a frost layer out there. So if you're, 
it'll be especially noticeable in bins that are not frozen. Uh, but it can still happen when somebody's frozen their bin and they think it's all right because their core might be 20 degrees and we're going to be exposed to some minus 10 degree weather and colder in coming days. And then uh, you put a wind on it, uh, it super yeah. chills it even more. So uh, lots of interesting things happen in there. And, and again, you'll always hear me talk about in the winter at least once a month, uh, pick a, a day with temperature and, and decent humidity that is similar to what your grain is stored at. Stored at. So uh, right now, like my corn, uh, because I was still drying it, it's, it's stored at about 35 degrees. So uh, a, a little over a week ago, we ran our fans for three or four hours when the temperatures were at 35 and the humidity was down a little bit. You need to even out all those convections. And if you've got your, your bin is frozen at 20 degrees, you need to look for a 20-degree day, run your fans for three or four hours, and break up all those convections. Okay, let me ask you a question, Tony. Is that something you have to manually do, or is that something you can program in on uh, bin fan controls that, that it will automatically happen for you? I think there are some systems that do it. Um, I was working on a system uh, trying to get that, that I could set it up to uh, trigger and run like four hours once a month and uh, was having difficulty getting it for mine to reliably do it. So manually is what you got to do. I, I just think in the winter, uh, I'll pick a pattern, you know, 10th, 15th of the month. And in that, that uh, area, I'll be looking for temperatures that are uh, going to meet my needs to run the fans. Yeah, I think so for for a lot of guys, they, they do need an excuse to go check those bins because I, I will ask farmers, hey, when's the last time you checked your grain bins? And sometimes we get to this time of year and there's a lot of snow around things. And um, I just get a lot of, well, it's been a little while. And I don't get an exact date. Yeah. I don't get, yeah, I was just there last week and everything looks good. I get, uh, yeah, it's been a while. I did check them after harvest, but it's been a while. Now we're into January here and it was probably before Christmas. And, and you know, the story, the way that ought to be told back to them is that the amount of, of value in one of those bins, if that were all $1 bills in that bin, uh, which some of these bins have half million, it's a lot of $1 bills. How often would you go check those $1 bills? You do it a lot. Uh, But because it's corn or beans, people just walk by, drive by, don't think about it. Yep, that's for sure. Uh, we do we do take a lot of things for granted, and and I'll be fair too, Tony. It's a lot more fun to be in the heated shop working on the planter or something like that. And I know you get those questions too. What are you hearing from guys that are working on the planters? What are some of the things that that they're doing this year? Uh, any surprises there coming out of these dry years with with some hard ground uh, or or anything else that you're getting into discussions on? One of the ones kind of interesting, um, had uh, some people been working with the precision and they put germinator closing wheels uh, ahead of the uh, press wheels on the back and have actually made an incredibly good combination and uh, seen really good results. And In fact, I'm understanding that there's uh, 
been a uh, row unit that's going over to Illinois to their uh, research thing with uh, some Germinator wheels on it. They're going to go play over there in their dirt with it because uh, uh, the feedback is really good. Uh, there's a, a dealer that uh, has been doing this, and uh, he is selling crates of uh, Germinators like hotcakes. Uh, the uh, you know when you compare with the uh, the furrow force. Uh, the expensive hydraulics, and then uh, doing this where they're doing a little bit lower cost and just putting it onto that arm with the, uh, I believe, just the regular tension. So it doesn't have quite as expensive of uh, input. Uh, the results are excellent. And uh, kind of an interesting uh, thing there as well as a, a lot of people just looking to upgrade, fix their planters. Uh, rubber tires, rubber tire closing wheels have to go. They cost you too much money. Good research showing five, six bushels per acre on the average year in, year out. That's costing you. And uh, if that happens to you, that's an expensive mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, there, there's definitely definitely room for improvement on a lot of planters. And as I get out looking at field problems, whether it's consistent placement of the seed or just getting good seed to soil contact, they just there are just constantly issues out there and and you're right the, there's there are conditions if it's absolutely perfect that those rubber closing wheels can can work but but I don't see that very often Tony no that's exactly that's right uh, and you'll you'll hear people talk that oh yeah they're working really good but it might work good in 80% of the field uh what about going over the drier hilltop or what about going down through the uh uh, the the lower uh, draw that most of us have in our fields. Uh, and if you've got something substantially wrong that you're not closing that furrow and uh, you lose a good share of your uh, population in those areas, what does that cost? And, and that's where it, uh, when they look at that five, six bushel, it's not the whole field. It's 20, 30 bushel or more in the bad areas. And, and I'd, I had guys down in Kansas, a couple of farmers who weren't far apart last year, who sent me pictures and were asking me questions after the damage was done. And that's too late. You need to be doing it ahead of time. And one of my uh, things for people is if they're looking to do something different, I'll tell them, hey, if you're wondering what you want to do in a planter, get a, uh, some uh, closing wheels, put them on one or two row units. As soon as soil conditions are reasonable, Take your planter out and just drag it through the dirt and then dig behind it and look how well you've destroyed sidewalls, how well you've eliminated air pockets and components like that. You don't even need seed in there. Just dig it. Just start one in and, and dig through that furrow right on down it so you can see how your sidewall, how you've destroyed it, how you've eliminated air pockets, and how do you feel about that, uh, that seed area. Don't wait till it's too late. Do a little, uh, do some looking while you can, yeah, and you have dig, an opportunity to impact this year's crop. Digging is absolutely free, and like you say, you can do that up front whether you're dropping seed in or not. And I, I would say this too, just to go along with Tony's point there, since we are a radio show, not a TV show, rather than digging right with the row, uh, straight straight like the planter would drive through the field, dig, dig directly across it, completely across the trench, and you can really see exactly what Tony's talking about. That's been just a game changer for a lot of farmers just in how they're looking at things, because honestly, 
obviously you just try and get jobs done sometimes on the farm. Planting is not one of those things that you want to just try and get done. You want to get it done very, very well because it's going to make you a ton of money. Hey, Tony, we got to run. We're up against the end of the show here already. Can't hardly believe at the end of the week. But thanks for joining us. Really appreciate all the tips and good luck to you here. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.